Revelation 21, 21, <clears throat> all the way through 22, 9. But a lot of this is very self-explanatory, especially based upon what we've seen coming into this. You know, so a lot of this is actually uh, restatements uh, of sorts. <clears throat> I'm going to pick it up on the second half of, well, I'll just read all 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Now, each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb, are its, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nation shall walk by the, its light, and its kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in, the, <clears throat> and in the daytime, for there shall be no night there, its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we'll stop right there for now. Now. Again, the, uh, it says the streets, verse 21, the, the streets of the city, and we're inside the city now, uh, <clears throat> were like transparent glass. Was pure gold like transparent glass. Now, remember it says it was pure gold, not like pure gold. This is going to be real gold, refined like pure glass. I mean, it's just... We have something, these are things that we've really never seen. <laughs> it's, it's going to be amazing to me. That's, that's right. It was, it's, it's going to be pure growth. Um, and in verse 22, it says, I saw no temple. You know, to this point throughout Revelation, there's been a temple. There's a temple up in heaven. We, and I've got the verse, I'm not going to stop and look those up. And then there's also uh, going to be a temple in the millennium. And then we didn't cover any of that. Because I, that was from like your chapter, Ezekiel 40, all the way through the end of the book, is about the temple and the city and in the millennial kingdom. So I figured I'd, I'd let that go. That'd be a, It's quite tedious and um, very interesting. Um, but I was looking at the edification factor and I think I'd just rather just keep, keep it moving. One day if we want, we can go back. You know, if I get enough, like, I have to see, I have to know. Okay, well. You know, inquiring minds need to know. But anyway, we'll we'll check that out maybe at a future date. And then it goes on to say, For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. That's why there's not going to be They could be translated sanctuary, by the way, also. Um, <clears throat> in the New Jerusalem, believers will always be in the presence of God. Just think about that. We're always going to be in the presence. Back in even 21 verse 3, introducing the new heaven and new earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. We are, we are going to be... And again, think back. What was the temple? What was the purpose of the temple? Worship. Okay, but yes, worship. Old Testament style worship, sacrificial system, where it was Old Testament style worship, but that is where they, they went to what? 
be where God is, to meet with God. And that was symbolic of where God was. Even though we know God is omnipresent, and we're going to get into that stuff starting, uh, theology starting next week, Lord willing. Uh, but, and so, you know, so we know that, so it's, we're not, it's not a contradictory, but the reason there's no temple, and also temple worship, especially uh, pre-coming, first coming of Christ, the temple worship, especially the sacrificial system, was all pictures of the one Lamb of God that would come. And like John the Baptist said, to take away the sins of the world. Okay? And then when you get into the millennial temple, they had sacrificial worship, but from a different perspective, they had that looking back on what Jesus did and finally doing the sacrificial system right in the millennial system, except the perspective was different, looking, like ours, looking back at what Christ did, not looking forward anymore, okay, from, the, from that perspective. So now we get into the new heaven, new earth, all that's gone. There's no need for all that anymore because all believers for all time will be having perfect fellowship with the living God. Think about that. Perfect fellowship with the living God. I mean, that's something, I mean, for, for centuries upon millennia, upon millennia, they're just, that's just unheard of, unheard of. And it says in verse 23, the glory of God. Well, one thing too. Back, I don't want one more point back there. For, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. You see again, once again, here's another group of verses. We're going to see this a couple of times through here. Where the Father and the Son, we know the Lamb to be the Son, Jesus Christ. The Father and the Son are seen as co-equals, shedding that, that great light, that great light. Matter of fact, verse 23 says, The glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. Here we go again. <laughs> its lamp is the Lamb. The light, lamp. Okay? Now, the glory of God, that is what's, what is often referred to as the Shekinah glory of God that will provide illumination. And what does Shekinah mean? Well, that's just a term that means the manifested glory of God. The, the, the glory of God is going to manifest itself in bright light. You know, that's, <clears throat> that's often been the case. Well, look at, like, first of all, let's look at Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60, 19 and 20. No longer will you have the sun for a light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your, and, <clears throat> and your God for your glory. Your sun will set no more, neither will your moon wave, for you will have the Lord God an, as an everlasting light. And the days of our mourning will be finished. The days of our mourning, again, this is one of those promises to Israel that pops up even in the midst of warning and imminent destruction. Those glimpses of the future restoration are always put out by the, I mean, that's classic through the Old Testament prophets. You know, that's just a, a standard uh, operation for them. And then also, its lamp is the lamb. Let's look at Matthew 17. Matthew 17. 
not too long ago, we saw this passage, we were introduced to this passage, or saw this passage by way of Mark. Look at Matthew this morning. Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration. And six days later, Jesus took, took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and brought them up to the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Okay, and uh, so there we have it again. Uh, and then, you know, Moses and Elijah appeared with him. But the point is the fact that the bright light, bright light, brightness, uh, is, is one of those Shekinah manifestations of the glory of God, just brightness, like the sun, to where his brightness would actually outshine the sun. No, no, not even a contest, if uh, that were to be a factor. And then here's one thing that gets people a little bit troubled, where it talks about verse 24 through 27, the nations. And this is what causes some folks, like your, um, your all-millennial and post-millennial types, to get confused um, and use it as a sometimes as a proof text to say, see, all this is talking about the millennium, not the, or the kingdom on earth, or it represents something, because it really, where do the nations come from all of a sudden when, you know, they thought, they thought, I thought they were all destroyed in Armageddon. Well, let's find out. The nations, ethne, Gentiles, it, and this word refers to Gentiles, it's, it's, it refers to Gentiles as in non-Jews, okay? These are those, now, if you follow the flow that we've seen so far, these are, I believe, these are those who did not follow Satan's end of the millennium rebellion, okay? And let's look at, let's look back at that again, um, chapter 20, verses 7 to 10, And when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from, from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. For the, for the, for the, war. the number of them is like, like the sand of the seashore. That means a whole bunch of them. Okay, there's a whole lot of them, but nowhere in here does it say all of them. Okay. And uh, otherwise, we have to maintain that, gee, nobody got saved? <laughs> we know that's not the case. When we were back in these chapters, we, we saw that that wasn't the case at all. And they came up, on, but yet there were still a whole bunch that did not, that did reject the gospel they had in that thousand years. Even with, which kind of shows you the hardness of the heart of mankind. Even a thousand years with Christ on the throne, people eh, are just ambivalent to it. Just, you know. It's almost like, I mean, the, the reaction here is like, it seems like it, it gives the impression they just like they were waiting for somebody like Satan to come along. But, but uh, because, you know, let's face it, with Christ on the throne ruling with a rod of iron, people that wanted to sin, that was kind of cramping their style a little bit. When they, you know, you get too far out of line, boom, you know, you lower the boom. That rod of iron will get you. You know, I use that metaphorically too. Yeah. No, and, I'll t- and it's, um, 
It is. It is. That, that, yeah. That's, that would, I think that would be a false assumption to say all of them got faked out because that's like, you know, not everybody on this earth, even though the majority of them, it would seem, have rejected the gospel. Not everybody has. We're, we're proof of that. And that's true in every period of time. Yes, from, that's true in every time of mankind. From the fall right on through. It's, it's going to be that way. It's, it's going to be that way. That's just the way it, that's the way it is. It's always been that way. Um, and then verse 9, it says, And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. That battle didn't last long. Verse 10, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then, and then after that, we see the judgment of the great white throne judgment, the earth, the new, and the... Uh, Existing heaven and earth are, are wiped out. In verse 15 of chapter 20, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, that's what happened to everybody that was an unbeliever. And this is, this is the great writing from all ages, including these people here, the very last of the unbelievers to be <laughs> put in that position of, to be judged. And so what about the other people? Well, just like the, uh, the Jews who were a saved bunch, it's just going to, that, that era, the millennium kingdom, is just going to roll right into the new heaven and new earth era, which is eternity. Okay, that would be the eternal state. See what, so it just, it just keeps going and keeps going. We talked about that a little bit and said, well, how did those people go? If they had human bodies like us, how the they have, I believe, well, they're just like First uh, Corinthians 15 says, you know, your body has to be changed into a body that can live in that environment. And I believe that's what happened to them. It had to. And they just rolled right on into the new heaven and new earth, the eternal state. Okay. Yeah, they they would have been their names, yeah. all believers from all time, yeah, name are in that book. Yeah. We're there. We're all there, all of us. Even some folks that aren't even born yet. We're all there. <laughs> Remember how does where does all start? Ephesians one. Before the foundation of the world, right? He chosen in Him. Okay, so it's now where it talks about the kings of the earth, and again. I, I say it would have to refer to those Gentile rulers who did not follow Satan. And there are rulers in our day and age that look real hard, but there's a few that I'm sure are believers somewhere. I mean, my goodness, there has to be one somewhere, doesn't there? Um, <clears throat> I think one guy, what uh, was it, Abraham Kuyper? What town, where was he from? He was from one of the Scandinavian countries. He was actually a Bible scholar, and he was a chancellor of... Uh, Finland or Netherlands or one of those places, Abraham Kuyper. But, um, but I mean, <clears throat> and they shall bring their glory into it. What? Well, by bringing their glory into it describes them as being believers. Okay, because uh, you look at 21.7 where, um, <clears throat> or 
where it says, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever enter into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There we are. There we go again. That is keep That keeps being reinforced over and over and over again. The only folks in this future new heaven and new earth, which is the eternal state, are those whose names were written in the book of life. And look at Romans 8. Romans 8. Chapter Romans 8, verse 30. Again, how did it all happen? Well, I can start at verse uh, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, and he might, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, them also he called. And whom he called, these also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Okay, so... If you have these folks, the nations that, that came out of this, bringing their glory into there, that glory is the fact that that's the glory that was given to them because of their salvation, because of Christ. That final phase of the salvation process. Remember? <clears throat> Justified, sanctified, glorified. All right, there it is. There it is. And we finally uh, <clears throat> reached that ultimate by the time we get everybody by the time we get here and the last would be those final people i think because we know uh we're going to be the church is glorified at the rapture that's where we get our new heavenly bodies at uh and then future <clears throat> glorification of everybody finally comes here and who knows if we get an extra shot then do i don't know there's, we're not told everything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting time, as well as a, a time of deep worship and full understanding. And I'm looking forward to it. No sin. No, yeah, that's the big one. No sin and no temptation. That's off our plates now. That we don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about it. You know, we don't have to struggle, struggle, struggle trying to walk in faith. We just walk by sight. We've we have arrived because of the power of God. We have finally arrived. Okay? Anybody that says it in this life is kidding themselves. Then verse 27, where, again, that 21-27, where it says, And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you ever do look up on various places where they talked about lists of where sins plural are listed out anywhere i don't believe there's a list of more that goes beyond two or three items where lying is not there or some form of lying whether it's bearing fault witness or you know but untruthfulness is you talk about something god truly detests and is lying We're now entering a political season, so get ready. Okay. <laughs> okay, our, our, our next section here is Paradise Made New. And that's from chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. 
And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street, in the middle of its street. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, <clears throat> bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its, its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and out of the Lamb shall be, and God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his bondservants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall no longer be any night, and, there, and, there shall not, and they shall not have need of, of the light of the lamp, nor of the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now, and he showed me. Okay, that verse 1, that's the same angel who began this tour back in 21. That's one of those angels that was pouring out the bowls of wrath. We don't need to turn back there. But uh, he's now going to show John that the paradise-like atmosphere of this new Jerusalem, which is, we're being, he says, the water of life coming up out of the street, clear as crystal. Once again, I believe, reflecting the glory of God as being perfectly holy perfectly pure, just like the city is going to be holy and pure. Okay, that's going to be, purity and holiness is going to be demonstrated everywhere in this. It's just amazing, even in our lives. Coming from the, and it's, where is it coming from? The throne of God and the Lamb. There's that linkage again. There's that connection. Now water, most often, very often, a symbol of eternal life itself. Look at Isaiah 12. And again, this is Old and New Testament. Remember, water. Also, too, uh, symbolic of cleansing, purity. Um, <clears throat> but Isaiah 12, 1 through 6, which is the whole chapter here. Mm -hmm. Then you shall say on that day, I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. And you did comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And in that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the people, make them remember that his name is exalted. Make them remember his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he is... He has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is this thanksgiving, this expression of thanksgiving, says, then you will say on that day, refers to when they finally get their kingdom and Israel is finally redeemed. But again, the point I just wanted to point out here is the fact that, again, that water, Again, points to the salvation, the purity, and the cleansing that they've experienced. And, all, <clears throat> and we can see that, too, in the New Testament, John chapter 4. Remember the woman at the well? John chapter 4. And then, Paul, we were reading Isaiah, but it just reminded me of when Jesus was teaching those people on the road to Emmaus everything about him in the Old Testament. Yeah. It could have been, you know, that, uh, I tell you, yeah, after his resurrection, the, uh, 
the blinders started coming off. <laughs> and people are saying, ah, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of, I bet you there is a, a whole bunch of aha moments among the people. <laughs> oh, I think aha is going to be wow. <laughs> it's going to be kicked up a notch with all the, <laughs> it's going to be some pretty terrific stuff. John 14, 13 to 14, or John 4, where it says, uh, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again, speaking of the water that comes out of Jacob's well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again, but the water that I shall give him shall shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Again, that water of God, that pure water springing up into eternal life, um, and again, uh, you, you read further, and he was, for, he was looking forward to the time where the believers would soon have the Holy Spirit that they would then spring forth uh, the truth of God out of themselves. And then eternal life comes from God. We won't turn there, but you can read Ephesians 1, 3 to 4. I mean, that's the opening statement Paul has to the, to the letter to the Ephesians where he's praising God for one he starts out by praising God for this main fact that salvation is of him and by him and apart from him we'd be doomed and damned and that is cause for praise and that is where, where Paul starts his letter to the Ephesians and then uh, Zechariah 14 uh, well let's look there Zechariah 14 just in case MacArthur's listening <laughs> the inside joke. <laughs> for yeah, at the last shepherd's conference, he was ribbing on people for you can't teach prophecy without going to Zechariah. So I said, just in case, you know. <laughs> but Zechariah fourteen four to eleven, and in that day, now this is referring to the millennial kingdom. But in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of Olives will split. In, this, in its middle, from the east to the west, in a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north, the other half move toward the south. And you will flee by the way of the valley of the mountains, which will reach to Azel, where you will flee, but just as you fled before from the earthquake that was in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. And it will come about in that day that there will be no light, the luminaries will dwindle. We, we saw that, you know, I mean, uh, Joel talked about that and, and other prophets as well. For it will be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but it will come about that at evening time there will be no light. And again, this will be a lot of um, upheavals in nature and the skies. And it will come about in that day, okay, key term there, that living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea, the other half toward the western sea. It will be in summer as well as in winter. This will be a water like coming out of a well supplied by God and from this formerly desert land. It's going to flow in two directions, toward the Mediterranean, toward the Dead Sea. Okay, and then uh, remember back, then that's where those passages like the desert will blossom as a rose. And veg- I mean, things are going to be rich, fertile time for, the, for everybody. And the Lord will be king over all the earth in that day. The Lord will be the only one and his name the only one. Again, that's in the millennial kingdom. All the land will be changed into a plain from Geba to Rimmon from south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem will rise and remain on its side. 
and move down and says, and the people will live in it and there will be no more curse for the Jerusalem will dwell in security. So, again, in there, the big thing is the water again, the water coming out, this water provided by God um, to uh, wet the land so the desert can be farmed. Uh, you know, <clears throat> it's like most deserts, all they need to be productive is a little water. I mean, that's, I mean, you can see Southern California is proof of that. You know, um, <clears throat> you, get, you get water, things grow. I know every time it rained, man, I had one of the best crops of tumbleweeds you've ever wanted to see. <laughs> things grow. All it needs water. <laughs> so, with all that, where was I? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're back over on the other side of the page. Now, our last, the tree of life. Now, I believe what this is, is the counterpart to the tree of life that was, was in the Garden of Eden. Let's look there. Genesis 2, 9. That says... And out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every, every tree that is pleasing in the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then we move forward to uh, 322. Then the Lord God said, again this is, this is uh, after pronouncing the curse. Behold the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil and then and now lest he stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord set him out of the garden of Eden to, to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove men out of the garden to, to the east of the, of the garden of Eden. And he stationed the cherubim and they with flaming swords and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way of the tree of life. Okay, so there was that tree of life. And now... I'm not going to look these up, but the term tree of life was a Jewish expression for blessing. And you can see, you can read these uh, Proverbs uh, verses on your own for that. But now, for the healing of the nation, and this gets people, we're in, uh, in, in verse 2 it says, In the middle of its street on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and, tw- and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, Healing, well, the nations again, ethne, which just the same refers Gentile, just the same as in twenty one twenty four. Now the healing, <clears throat> therapia, from which we get the word therapeutic, can mean therapeutic or health giving. All right. Now the root of this word carries the idea of serving. In other words, the leaves promote, and I believe this would promote the enjoyment of life in the New Jerusalem. Why do I say that? Because healing. It's not necessary in the new heaven and new earth. Where healing of sickness, disease, and sin, which is all a result of sin, will not be needed in the new Jerusalem. Look at 21, again, back in 21, verse 26, that they shall bring in the glory and honor of the nation into it, and nothing unclean, nor one who practices abomination or lying. And remember, in earlier passages, he's going to wipe away every tear, 21, verse 4, from their eyes. She will no longer any death. No longer any mourning or crying or pain for the first things that passed away. So these things aren't there. So then what must it be? Nobody could come up with anything. So I let my mind go crazy. And so 
Open field. So that's it, man. We're, we're taking off. I've got nobody in front of me. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I think, when we think, now just think back what we've seen so far in this city, just the magnificent beauty of it, and it's all for our enjoyment and just amazement. Why not the tree, too? Perhaps we should think of the autumn colors, the beautiful autumn colors we see, or how about maybe the blossoms in the springtime perhaps that could be some uh i know some of the guys some of the com some of the guys some of the commentators said they pretty much landed it must be something has to do with the enhancement of the enjoyment of the citizens of the kingdom and it's also and it also has to bring glory to god i just went with i said you know what that makes sense because they done for real healing because that word can be taken as you know like an herb to heal something. Well, you're not going to have anything that needs healing of. Any, there's not going to be the, any sickness to heal. Yeah, sin's, yeah, sin's gone. Sickness is gone. Pain is gone. Suffering is gone. Um, so I'm thinking that may be it. You're yeah, but again, you're not going to feel bad to have to feel better right. up there. That's the whole point. Yeah. So. I don't know. That's just my thought, and that's all that is. So take it or leave it. No extra charge. I, it's just an idea. Because see, verse 3a says, and, this is, and there no longer be any curse, and that's where all the sickness and disease came from. Remember, prior to the curse, you know, the curse, the, like pain in childbearing. Well, there's not going to be any childbearing up there, but see, all that kind of stuff is gone. All that kind of stuff is gone. And the curse is gone. We've already read that. We, we don't have to go back and look at the curse, but there's a curse in Genesis 3. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And again, you think there's going to be sickness around the throne of God? Really? No. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, his, his servants or slaves will serve him. Um, You've got to be healthy to do that. Anyway, they shall, they shall see his face, and this is a beautiful one for me. What's it say? Uh, blessed are the what? Was it the poor in spirit, and they shall do what? Oh, blessed are the who? There's who? Five eight. That's right. You get for trying to go by memory. All right. I guess I'll have to go home and memorize the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. <laughs> that kind of it's kind of fitting too. Pure. Purity, you know, eternal state, those of with pure of heart will see God. And the, and the good news on that is they will see God and live. As a matter of fact, in Exodus 33, 20, we won't turn there because we don't have the time, but Moses, remember? Moses, he, he, when he first met God, at the, going to get the Ten Commandments, and he says, uh, can I see your face? Is not, you see my face, you'll die. <laughs> right yeah you, you can't see his face and live his names will be on their forehead and again that leaves no doubt as to whom the citizens of that city belong that's like an id and you can see that it's already in, in revelation 7 and 14 talking about the in about the 144,000 that were secured their names are on the were written on them god's name and again, they, that's referring to all the citizens that are in that kingdom, 
shall not just live, but reign forever and ever. It's going to be interesting what that reigning is going to involve. We're not really told. So, And it says there's no longer, verse 5, there's no longer going to be any night. Because God's going to be there. Christ is going to be there. And they're going to be there. That Shekinah glory is the light. And it's going to be everywhere. It's going to shine every. Again, think about last week with that with those 72-yard thick walls or whatever it was with the gold encrusted with gems like they're like diamonds and the Shekinah glory just shining through from the inside to the out and up and around. and What is it amazing? And verse 6, this is an interesting thing and it's, I didn't make a big deal out of it, for obviously. But chapter, verse 6 of chapter 22, he says, And he said to me, And he said to me, These words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the spirits of the prophets sent his angel to show his bondservants <coughs> things which must shortly take place. And that's John actually confirming what the angel said, that he said to me, those, These words are faithful and true. So John's back. It's actually the angel that's uh, confirming them. And then Jesus steps in and says, And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of this prophecy of the book. And again, that is like who heeds, as in obeys, listens to. Um, <clears throat> John 3.36 uh, is a place I always like to turn to on, on that. When you're talking about believing, um, believing is actually akin to obeying. He who believes in the Son of God has eternal life, John 3.36. But he who does not obey the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Again, we are, mankind is commanded to believe. That's, that's it. Mankind is commanded to believe. You must believe. You know, uh, you have to believe. And I thought John's, you know, and then that's, this is pretty overwhelming stuff. John's reaction and the angel's response is kind of interesting. And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. It's like, I think the whole thing just kind of overwhelmed him and took hold of him and down he went. He started worshiping. And that, the angel, that that bothered the angel. <laughs> and he said to me, do not, do not do that. You know, I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren, the prophets, and those who heed, you know, the words of this book. And then he says, worship God. Okay, and that's a good place to end it. When you look at this, you know, obey, but our response to all this stuff is, should be, this we're going to be there, just even in advance, you know, worship God. It's all of him, by him, for him, and just hand it to us. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And we especially thank you for bringing us into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.